Okay, here we go. I'm Zach Gudson, the founder of Cultivate, and I just want to uh, start this podcast by really introducing myself and kind of telling my story. There's no way to tell the full story in one episode, but hopefully I can paint a little bit of a picture for you. And then uh, we can dive into what's going on with Cultivate, what is Cultivate, and um, what's going on today. And hopefully this just becomes something beautiful. I've been waiting and waiting for the perfect time to start this podcast. And what I've realized and what I've learned in life and recovery and just in general is that if I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for the perfect moment to start something, that moment's going to pass by. So this is me just starting. I'm going to dive right in and um, just kind of explain to you what I used to be like and what life is like today and the whole purpose behind Cultivate. So long story short, I was a total party animal in college. My nickname was Party. Like I would be walking through campus. I went to Samford University in Birmingham, Alabama. It's a smaller Christian school of all places to go to college. But I I vividly remember just walking down campus and um, people that I barely knew would just look at me and say party. (laughs) And I thought it was awesome because it was. I had some really, really good times. But that lifestyle never stopped for me. Um, Kind of in a flash, I woke up and was 26 years old. And, you know, most of my friends from college were either married or becoming super successful in their jobs. And here I was. Um, getting fired from every job I ever started and wondering where all my friends went. (laughs) Uh, Basically, in a, this was 2014. Uh, 2014 went downhill really fast for me. I got fired from three jobs on the same day, was working at three different golf courses and um, just didn't show up. I was drinking every, every day and night at that point, heavy drug use. And I was just too hungover to be a person, really. So it started having, um, it started affecting every facet of my life, my work, my relationships, my family. Um, I became super depressed and that just wasn't me. I was happy my whole life, you know, so I I just felt completely out of place when this depression set in. Um, Anxiety, crippling anxiety, that wasn't me either. Um, and suicidal, just straight up thought about killing myself every single day of 2014. Uh, there was a day in September where I 100% decided that I was going to end my life that day. I was super hungover, so was kind of waiting around for the headache to go away. Once it started to subside a little bit, um, I made a drink to steady my shaky hands and I began to write. I wrote a letter to myself titled Dear Zach, and it was basically just saying, hey man, um, if you happen to be reading this, it means you didn't kill yourself today. And um, I've posted that that letter that I wrote to myself on cultivate.com, so you can check that out anytime. Um, but I also wrote letters to my loved ones explaining that it wasn't their fault and that I just, you know, I, I made a series of bad decisions and I was gonna end my life. I don't really have words for what happened, but 
um, sort of in a flash, I found myself sitting in an AA meeting. This was still in Birmingham, Alabama, and I truthfully don't even remember walking to that meeting. I just remember sitting in that chair. It was a 5 p.m. meeting, and I remember thinking, there's no way that this is going to work, but I just wanted to prove to myself that I tried my very best before I killed myself. I just wanted to prove that I did everything I could. Um, so I'm still here, so that should give you an indication of, of what might have went down that night. That night changed my life. That was September 29th, 2014, and for the first time in my entire life, I felt understood. I didn't have to explain myself. I just knew that people understood me in that room. I really don't remember much about what was said that night in that AA meeting in Birmingham. All I do remember is there was one man on the other side of the room and there were maybe 15 people in the room. It was a small meeting with those foldy, super uncomfortable metal chairs in the fellowship hall of a Catholic church. Um, exactly what you would imagine AA to look like. But there was this man, and I'll never forget the look on his face, and more specifically, the look in his eyes. His eyes were glowing in a way that I have never seen in another human to this day. They were, um, I guess radiant is the word. They pierced my soul. And he was on the other side of the room, and I have no clue what that man said to me. But I know it stuck, whatever it was, because I just remember thinking, whatever that man has, and this man was probably in his mid-60s, gray hair, um, you know, his life, um, by my standards, was already over for the most part. But I remember thinking, I want what this man has. And what he had was joy and peace and self-esteem and confidence and the word that I use for that today is sobriety. Clearly that man had something that I did not. So I consider it a blessing to have been that broken in life. The part that I didn't explain in episode one was, you know, during that season in my life, I had been fired from all three of my jobs. I had spent that entire summer stealing, uh, so the cops were more or less looking for me. I was super paranoid. Maybe they were looking for me, maybe, maybe they weren't. I'll never know, but I was paranoid about what I had been doing with my lifestyle that entire summer. Um, my girlfriend had left me. She looked me in the eyes and told me she could no longer be part of my life. Um, that was really tough to to receive and I was told point blank that I need to find help and that was the first time in my life that anyone had ever said that to me you know and I was thinking I don't need help you know alcohol and drugs those are my solution and the people that say I need help or the people that don't understand those aren't my people that's how I lived and so I kept pushing people away who couldn't hang, who couldn't party like I did, and the people who could, uh, those were my friends. So 
I don't know. I just, I consider it a blessing to have been that broken. Um, so that my only choice was to listen to the advice that people had. So I decided to keep living that day and figured what the heck, I'll go to another meeting the next day. And you know, long story short, it's been almost three years that I've been clean and sober. I'm sitting here uh, recording this on July 15th, 2017. So it's been really close to three years now. And what a crazy ride it's been. Um, I feel feelings now. I used to not have those. I used to be able to treat people like objects. And I used to be able to live with reckless abandon and care about nothing. And um, now I'm, I'm so thankful to say that I know what it feels like to hurt. I know what it feels like to experience joy. And I know everything in between. And it has been just such a beautiful, beautiful journey of, of learning about myself, but more importantly, learning about who God is. I owe every breath of my life to God. Um, he's the one who carried me to that meeting. I 100% believe that with all my heart. I believe that God is the one who does things for me that I cannot do for myself. And going to that AA meeting and admitting that I had a serious problem with my life was a perfect example of that. That was a straight up miracle because the old Zach would have never admitted that anything was wrong. You know, you were the problem. The world was the problem. <laughs> I had it all figured out. Time began to pass. I'd been sober for a couple of weeks and was just totally relying on my relationship with God. Um, people gave me great advice in those first two weeks, and I'm forever thankful for the people who reached out their hand and helped me during that time in my life where I was so lost and so broken. Um, the advice I was given, and I still apply it every single day today, and it is the reason that I'm still sober today. I'm 100% sure of it is I was told to hit my knees in the morning, first thing when I wake up, and surrender my life to God. Surrender my alcoholism, surrender my selfish desires, the lust in my heart, all those, those things um, that used to bother me and that I used to just drink about and I used to um, party to try to forget. Um, just turn those things over to God and let Him carry those things. Because one thing for sure is that I could no longer carry those things. It was too heavy. So I learned to do that every morning, and I still do it today. And at night, I was told to just say thank you. Thank you for keeping me sober today. Thank you for uh, just the gift of life and the gift of sobriety and the gift of being able to feel and to pray for other people, to pray for my family members and my friends and people that I don't even know and really just have a heart of gratitude. And so that life of prayer and that relationship with God um, has become the cornerstone of my recovery. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that people taught me how to live that way. Um, so a couple of weeks passed 
and I got a random phone call from Charlotte, North Carolina saying, um, hey man, do you want to come work for us? It's a recruiting company. And, um, you know, I thought about it for about a minute <laughs> and was like, yeah, when's the interview? And they said, can you be here tomorrow? And so I was in Birmingham, Alabama. It's about an eight hour drive. I didn't even tell anybody. Um, I just packed some things in my truck and I drove to Charlotte. I got the job, drove back to Birmingham that same day. Uh, it was about an 18 hour day in total. And I was just on fire. I was like, "There's, this is God. And so um, the job required me to be in Charlotte in two weeks. And I packed all my stuff up, took my dog and moved to Charlotte to start over, to start my life anew in sobriety, to make new friends and to learn how to be a good employee for the first time in my life. Um, to that point, I had been fired from literally every job I ever started, 17. Um, as far as I can count and uh, I, I just knew that this was my chance so I moved here to Charlotte North Carolina and um, it proved to be the best decision I've ever made in my entire life and I'm just if you can't tell I'm, I'm thankful for it and it's nothing that I could have ever dreamed up on my own that door opened and I don't know why it did um, the only explanation I have is God again so I became a reliable employee and a year passed and I got a better job with a software company here and um, started working my way up um, became really well liked in the company and uh, were voted best places to work in Charlotte um, just an awesome company and I had a great time there but something was still missing in my heart. And I knew that it wasn't my relationship with God. It wasn't really friendships. Um, it wasn't a relationship. It, it wasn't any, any tangible or material thing, or it wasn't a person. It was more like um, my passion was missing. I just didn't feel um, fulfilled with my work. I was happy, but I wasn't fulfilled. And there's a big difference. And I began to understand what that difference is. And as I began to process all of that and think about, okay, what is it that I do care about? And what is my real passion? Everything kept coming down to sobriety and recovery and how thankful I am to be alive today. And I just wanted to give this gift to other people. I was driving home one night that summer, this was last summer, 2016, August 1st to be specific. And it was one of those summer nights where it was super humid outside. It was about 9 p.m. And Charlotte is beautiful if you've never been to this city. Uh, giant oak trees and big old houses. So I was cruising with the windows down, about to go home and just do my, my routine of sobriety, which is go home, maybe turn on Netflix, get ready for the day of work ahead and thank God for, you know, another day sober. And as I'm cruising with the windows down, I remember third eye blind was blasting on the speakers and I was just smiling, thinking, thinking a very simple thought like, man, I love Charlotte and just admiring everything that life was in that moment. And 
for some reason, the word cultivate popped into my mind. And I just couldn't get rid of that thought. And that's not in my nature to, I mean, I do get fixated on things for sure. It's part of my addictive personality, but I cycle through thoughts. And so it, it stood out to me that that word was on my brain and I just couldn't figure out why. So I went home and I Googled the word cultivate to see, you know, exactly what this word means. And, you know, there were a couple of definitions about crops and, you know, growing crops and harvesting. And I got to this like third alternate definition and everything clicked, everything clicked. And I'm getting chills in this moment talking about it. Um, but the definition of cultivate said to grow and care for something. And that's when I realized I connected that word with my passion for sobriety. And that's all I knew at that point. I just knew that I cared so deeply about helping other people find what I've found. And what I've found is a beautiful relationship with God where I don't have to drink anymore. And what a gift that is. And the gift, one word for it, I would say is freedom. And I just wanted to give that to other people. So I still didn't know how. I went to college for marketing and I have a background in retail and branding. Um, I grew up in that environment in an entrepreneurial home. So I had a pretty good foundation and understanding of how to start a brand. So that's what I did with Cultivate. Um, I decided to Charlotte, the acronym for Charlotte is CLT. That's our airport code here. So the locals call it CLT. And so I, I decided with the word Cultivate, I'll spell it with the CLT in Charlotte and make it a cool thing. And so I made t-shirts, still not really knowing what that meant. And um, about a month passed, and as I'm processing all of this stuff really, really, really quickly in my mind, and it felt like an eternity, but it really wasn't. It was like a month. And um, that's when it clicked with me is I'm going to start uh, Cultivate as a nonprofit and make it more than just a brand that doesn't really have a meaning. I'm going to start opening up about my story and tell people about my own recovery. To that point, I hadn't told a soul about my life at work. Um, I was doing well in my full-time job and I didn't want anybody to know that I was fighting this battle every day. But I decided to open up and it began as a blog post on Facebook. I just told my story and the I was so full of fear when I hit post. I thought people from the past, you know, that I had screwed over were gonna come up and be like, I hate you um, and all of this the opposite happened. I was overwhelmed with love and support and people were like, dude, you're onto something here. Keep sharing your story. Like you just inspired me to get sober or you just inspired me to think about this or, you know, can I get you in touch with my cousin? He would, he would love to learn from you. He's in recovery too. Or can you help my son? He struggles with addiction. And that's when I realized this is going to be something big. So um, began to make a little bit of a, a movement through Instagram. Uh, again, the only thing I know really well from a business standpoint is marketing and you know the art of storytelling. Um, happy to share my story and experience with people. I have nothing to hide anymore, you know. And I know that the more I share, the more likely it is to help somebody um, who stands in those shoes that I used to be in three years ago. So that's what Cultivate became very quickly. And fast forward to today, 
Uh, it's become a huge movement on Instagram and it has been placed on my heart to travel the country and bring this nonprofit to other cities. We started hosting meetups here in Charlotte and have started meeting new sober people here and Cultivate has become a platform where other people can share their stories of recovery. And the main purpose of hitting the road full time um, and what's on my heart is that I know there's so much more we can do than just social media. We've made a huge impact through social media and I get messages every single day saying, thank you, you've inspired me to get sober or thank you um, just for what you're doing, for being open and transparent about your life. Um, I just know it's time to connect with people in real life. And so the meetups that we started in Charlotte, um, it's been placed on my heart to start these meetups in other cities. And so I'm gonna go meet people who have reached out all over the country and hopefully let some people be in charge of um, putting together sober meetups in their own communities and uh, really just provide a safe place for people to go who not just sober people but people who struggle in general or people who want new friends um, the people that have begun to surround me in charlotte and i guess just as a result of having a positive mindset um, the people that this has attracted into my life are such um, rock star caliber people um, that that's what i want other people to have you know, that has been the like next level of my life is feeding off of people who are better than me, who know things and who make me do better. And so that's it. Um, kind of thinking out loud, if you can't tell here, because I don't know what the next chapter truly looks like in my life. I just know that it's on my heart to do it. And that's how anything happens is somebody just has to do it. Um, this podcast is a perfect example. Um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just doing it. I don't know what it's going to turn into, but I know somebody's going to hear this, connect with it. So that's what life is about. And um, even the people who have reached out through Instagram for help, I'm going to take the time to travel and meet those people and share their stories. Um, going to speak at a 12-step group in Alabama. Going to spend a week at a wilderness therapy camp in Nashville, Tennessee and minister to young men who struggle with addiction and who are looking to make some changes in their lives. Going to Arkansas to speak at another recovery group. Going to Denver, Colorado to have an Instagram meetup where several people have reached out to me and want to do something there. And I'm going to use that time to also camp out and get started on writing a book about sobriety and just what it's like to be I'm almost 30 years old, what it's like to be a young dude in a world where everyone drinks. Um, and not just that, but to follow God in a world where people don't want to talk about God. And um, I just know there's so much more to recovery than sitting in a church basement. And um, don't don't interpret that the wrong way, please. Like 12-step meetings are still a big part of my life, and it saved my life. I just know there's more to it than that, you know. People need to be able to have fun, because if you can't have fun, then is sobriety even worth it? Um, so that's my mission, is to just really cultivate a new sober community where everyone's connected. Um, we live in a beautiful world where you can totally use social media for good. You know, um, 
I hear a lot of terrible things about social media, but you can totally use it for good. And this is a perfect example of that. And just continue this movement that we've already started and let it become so much more than just my story. I'm just a small part of this. You know, I'm just a person taking that first step in starting it. That's my role. And so, you know, in 10 years, I know that this is going to be something big. And literally what I'm envisioning is just a safe place where you can go no matter where you live, um, where you can meet other sober people, make new friends, and share your story, and just grow together without the stigma. That's what I'm imagining. And I know it's going to happen because it already is. So um, that's where we are today. I want to thank you so much for listening to this. And uh, we'll unpack more as this adventure unfolds. I love you guys.